Hello, college football fans. Welcome to episode 104 of College Football Throwdown. I'm your co-host, Alex Schmitz, and today I'm joined, as always, by my dad, Peter Schmitz. Hello, college football fans and Nebraska Cornhusker fans. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Uh, it's been a little while since our last podcast. We did one uh, back in June when we were together in Traverse City visiting visiting each other. And um, we've both been pretty busy since then, but we're here back to give you a double episode special where we'll be doing one focusing on some of the big national topics that have happened since then. Uh, just a few, you know, minor things have uh, occurred since we uh, we last did a podcast. Um, and then another follow-up podcast that will focus more on our team, the Nebraska Cornhuskers, and the uh, upcoming season that's only a week away. How about that? I am ready. <laughs> me too, me too. All right. Uh, and to kick us off, Dad, I believe you have a beverage for us? I do. What I, I, uh, Today I, I was uh, introduced to a local uh, uh, beer here in Traverse City. Uh, we have a, uh, a, a brew pub here in town called North Peak Brew uh, North Peak uh, Brewing Company, and uh, they make an, uh, a product, a cherry summer wheat. So it's a little bit like the Sam Adams only made locally here. And uh, of course, using Traverse City cherries, um, uh, which we are the cherry capital of the world. So it's kind of neat. It's called Archangel and it's a cherry summer wheat. It's a nice, uh, uh, refreshing beer. Good, good summer beer, really. So, so one I'm kind of looking forward to, uh, they describe it as Michigan cherries, crisp and clean. So that's what I'm going to give it a go here. So, ah, there we go. I'm ready. All right. It's it's fine. If someone ever comes up to Traverse City, they should check out North Peak Brew Pub. Yeah. Yeah. They've got some good stuff for sure. All right. Uh, <laughs> oh, that sounds like he's happy. You know, what, I, yeah, what I'm thinking of is their Monte Cristo sandwich, which is one of my favorite things on their menu. <laughs> nice. Okay. Um so on the last podcast, um, we had actually discussed as a kind of a teaser for next time that we were going to talk more about um, uh, athletes sitting out of bowl games because uh, that was kind of a topic on our minds as we were just finishing talking about the national championship game and um, some of the stuff that had happened since then. Uh, but little did we know that just about a month later uh, in late July, uh, there would be a uh, quite a storm to hit college football where uh, – one week, you know, there's this uh, little rumor that suddenly starts going around that uh, Texas and Oklahoma are might be leaving the Big 12 to join the SEC. And it's like, what? That's crazy talk. And then literally a week later, um, they've formally expressed their interest in the SEC to uh, join the conference. You know, it was pretty amazing how fast that happened and how under wraps uh, Texas and Oklahoma had managed to keep that secret for so long because they'd been in negotiations for months by that point. Right. It, it, it really is. And, and it's the, uh, it's kind of uh, surprising number one, that they were doing that, you know, during this period of, uh, of COVID where there's been so much upheaval and of course losses in revenue and things of that nature for athletic departments across the board. Um, but it's actually very savvy, I, I feel, of those two programs to have put themselves in that position because they knew uh, that they were effectively 
uh, the two main, um, you know, torch bearers, if you will, of the Big 12, and they, they could walk into any conference and their name and reputation would carry with it the kind of panache necessary to guarantee that, that them being added to a conference enhances that conference's portfolio and allows everyone to benefit money-wise, okay? Uh, that's not true for pretty much all the rest of the Big 12 schools, right? They can't go to any of the major, other major conferences, and, 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 and everyone would say, oh, it's obvious that that team will add more value than we're, what we're getting paid per team right now. So by adding them to my conference, it enhances our potential for revenue. Mm-hmm. Very true. And you saw that. Um, I remember particularly like the uh, Oklahoma State um, athletic director, president, you know, they were definitely making a fuss of like, oh, you know, this is uh, uh, this is going to affect our rivalry with Oklahoma. And uh, this is really sneaking up on us. And da 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 da, you know, so you could tell like the other schools were like scrambling. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, and, and and they will be. I mean, now now they're trying to figure it out. Right. Like, can they survive as a power five conference without Texas and Oklahoma and, and be viewed as a peer among the, 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 the higher level teams now that you are, or, or not teams, but conferences like the sec big 10 and then PAC 12 and ACC. And even those other three that I mentioned after sec with the sec doing what they did, the shot across the bow has occurred. So now they got to figure out what they're going to do. And now no one's safe, right? Right. There's going to be some more cannibalizing going on here, I think. Or they're going to have to come up with an alternative. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, um, back when realignment was going on, when, like, Nebraska was leaving the Big 12 and there was a lot of chaos at the time. And, you know, Texas nearly left the Big 12 themselves before ESPN enticed them with the Longhorn Network to stay. Um but, you know, at the time, there were this, these talk of, like, these super conferences, like 16-team, huge conferences. You know, that's the way things were going. It didn't quite turn out that way. Um, but it, it feels like it might kind of finally be coming now because the SEC will right. be a big 16-team super conference. And now it's the question right. of how do the other conferences respond now? Well, exactly. And, and, and uh, you know, there is indications or rumor that the SEC is not done that they they are visualizing a conference that maybe is upwards into the 20s, right? That they wouldn't be uh, opposed to going out and getting another four or, or six teams and then having uh, so much leverage with the TV networks that they get a vast chunk of the money, right? So if, if, you, if you start to look at yourself and say, this is a national conference, it's no longer just about the Southeast, right? So maybe I can cherry pick, you know, four more schools that are premier, like go into the ACC and take Clemson and Florida State and Miami out of there and, you know, maybe grab Ohio State and Penn State from the Big Ten um, or go uh, or Notre Dame. Right. Because uh, if you take the guts out of the ACC, then all of a sudden Notre Dame is no longer interested in their you know, close relationship with the ACC. So a lot of dominoes could start to fall based on what the SEC does next, or are they now done? And that's, that's the big question. 
and the fact that the other conferences have caught pretty much flat-footed on this is kind of a, an indictment of their leadership. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. You know, it was definitely a, a savvy move uh, on the SEC side of things. And at first, when I was hearing about it, it made sense for me about Oklahoma leaving. Um, that that seemed to make sense. But for Texas, you know, they got such a cushy deal, you know, to help keep the Big 12 together, you know, being the top dog and all that and having the Longhorn Network, you know, and getting uh, the Lions a bigger share of like the Big 12 pot more so than anybody else. You know, even though they haven't had much great success on the field, you know, in the last decade or so, um, you know, it felt like they had a, a pretty good gig there. Um, but from what I was saying, it turned out that even with that money that they're getting from the Longhorn Network, Network and stuff, the money they'd be getting at this new SEC with 16 teams would be even greater. And so, you know, that's really what it's all about at the end of the day. Right. That and the stability, right? Uh, that the SEC, you know, represents to them in terms of making sure that you're not caught on the outside looking in, because uh, the, you know, the the Big Twelve has always been uh, unstable ever since, um, you know, the initial the changes happened when Missouri and Colorado and us and A and M all left. I mean, it was it was from the get go a, a shell of its former self. So, so there's been instability ever since then. And there was no way they were going to keep up with the Joneses as the SEC, you know, gets a new deal. And the big 10 also negotiated a fairly short time frame for their television contract uh, in the hopes that they would have a, a chance to reopen and, and uh, enter into, into discussions again, fairly soon. And we're the next, next domino to fall. The big 10 is so, mm-hmm. Uh, as far as contracts expiring. So um, the Big Ten's got to figure out what it's going to do. And so to keep up with the SEC, you know, I think uh, you and I have talked a little bit before the podcast here about what the what are the choices, right? What what are the things to do? One is to do nothing and just stand pat and, and kind of let the SEC go do its thing. Because the reality is I, I'm not sure it will end up being a good thing for Texas or uh, Oklahoma Athletics uh, in terms of their national relevance, it it may put more money in their coffers. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But will they be more relevant as a sports program? Yep. Because when when they have to now compete in a conference or a division or whatever, where they're having to fight, you know, with Alabama, Florida, you know, um, Auburn, uh, uh, Tennessee, you know, you you name all the big powers, Georgia. Uh, of the sec all of a sudden oklahoma's path to uh you know uh undefeated season or a one loss season is much much more difficult and all of a sudden oklahoma's going to have to start getting used to you know a lot of uh, seasons in which they have three losses not one right um yeah but i think there's a lot of factors playing into uh those decisions one of which is uh recruiting uh, because as i was listening to a lot of the pundits talking about this uh, a lot of them were mentioning how a and m since their move the sec they've actually been out recruiting their uh old buddy texas um right and obviously you know texas is Poor performance on the field, you know, certainly isn't helping them, but also being able to say, hey, you're in the SEC, you know, you get to play in the best conference in college football is a big uh, selling point for recruits. Um, 
And then also um, another thing I saw, which was done by ESPN, they actually mentioned Nebraska saying, you know, uh, Nebraska's move to the Big Ten hasn't been good for them on the football field, but financially it's been great for them, you know, and they got out of the Big 12 early, you know, kind of praising Nebraska's foresight in that regard. Um, Right. So we would really be, think about it. If we were still part of the Big 12 and had, and had the, the struggles that we've had, maybe not, we wouldn't have to that extent because we wouldn't have been playing in the big 10 and our win loss record would be better, but we would not have been winning conference championships or been in a national discussion. We might not have sucked as bad because we would have had easier games to play, frankly, but, but we still wouldn't have been very good. And now imagine us, you know, that far removed from the Tom Osborne uh, influence, you know, where would, would we be attractive to the, Big Ten right now? Nope, we wouldn't. So, so it's a damn good thing that we moved when we did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just that we're not getting caught flat-footed like all these other uh, Big Twelve schools are. Right. So, so here's the thing: Have you put any thought uh, or read uh, some of the scenarios that people have talked about? Like I said, the the one is the 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 opportunity to um, um, do nothing and and just stand pat, right? But then there's also some other issues uh, or options like uh, do you go out and get two uh, programs like just like the SEC did and go get the 16. Well, if the Big Ten is going to do that, they need to pick two schools that can bring bring enough credibility that they, you know, add to the pool. Right. They can't subtract from the pool. And there's just not a lot of schools that could do that. Right. And Mm -hmm. are you going to destabilize? one of the other major conferences because you're not going to find that in independence except for Notre Dame, who's already very closely tied to the ACC or, um, you know, who else do you got, right? That's an independent. Uh, Some might say like a BYU, but they don't bring that credibility. So, so now you're talking about going out to the PAC 12 and maybe enticing some of the AAU schools out in the big, in the PAC 12, like USC you know, uh, UCLA, Washington, um, um, Arizona, uh, some, some of those kinds of schools that are, um, AAU members and Stanford, um, you know, so now you've destabilized and broken up the PAC 12, right? right? And what if the PAC 12 then goes and, and, and cannibalizes the, the rest of the big or the rest of the big 12 and takes, you know, three or four teams from that to get themselves to, to 16, which they could do. Right. Right. Well, in terms of my predictions, the one thing I am confident in is that the big 12 will not survive. I think it will be gobbled up either by, it'll either be gobbled up by the bigger leagues or it will become its own, you know, like not, one of the power five, you know, be a smaller, you know, less renowned conference. Cause without, you're right. Without Oklahoma and Texas there, you know, if you've got some programs with history, like Kansas, you know, obviously they're great in basketball and, you know, Iowa state's been doing well recently with their mm-hmm. new coach. And, you know, um, so you've, you've got some other, you know, teams in that mix, but, um, you know, uh, none of them have the the kind of star power that Texas Oklahoma did. Uh, so I right. I can't believe they'll they'll survive in with the same level of prestige on their own. You right. Know? They they don't have the TV eyeballs to to uh, to draw that kind of an interest from any of the majors. And so 
uh, other than, like you say, maybe a Kansas. Kansas is an AAU school, and it has a premier basketball program. But again, the, the, all these changes generally have to do with football revenue because basketball revenue is still the cash cow of the NCAA. Now, uh, th- there might be some longer-term plans that are um, under p- underway here by the SEC, recognizing that the destabilized NCAA suggests that maybe the SEC is thinking, you know what, we're going to enter into our own separate agreement. We're going to we're going to just go completely around the NCAA, and we're going to create a new a new NCAA, for lack of a better term, right? A new governing body that's going to oversee just the big boys. Right. And, um, and so this idea, which, which goes back to the original concept of the super conference, the idea that you'd have four super conferences of 16 teams and there's your 64, right? So you take the top 64 division one football programs effectively and include them all in the, in their own division. And then you go from there. Right. Um, yeah. But na- now there's all kinds of scenarios, right? I, I don't know uh, if we end up with four or if we end up with even less than four and we end up with three, like with 24 teams. Right. Well, yeah, it, w- it was surprising to hear the number of pundits at the time that were saying like, yeah, this could be, you know, I think this is the end of the NCAA, you know, and they were just kind of saying right. it kind of casually, you know, like that. Oh, it, it's just well, going to happen. It definitely, right. It definitely destabilizes because it's like, it, when you get to a certain point, uh, then these conferences have so much control and panache that that they can tell the NCAA to do whatever they want them to do. Right? right. I mean, it's so yep. so. And and the problem and the whole purpose of the NCAA was to stabilize things and distribute money so that some of these lesser schools and I and I'm using that term lightly because it it varies in definition depending on the sport. Right. But obviously the big drivers are football and basketball and football is outside of the NCAA already. And so then it's just, um, you know, the other stuff. So. Right. And that leads us nicely into two other elements of this uh, larger conference realignment storyline. One is that there have been rumors here recently, uh, recording this here in uh, late August, um, that the Big Ten, Pac-12, and ACC may be forming some sort of alliance that will be announced pretty soon. Um, the details on it seem to be very uh, uh, in flux as of right now, but some sort of kind of partnership between the conferences to combat the uh, power of the SEC. And notably, the Big 12 isn't included on that list because uh, right. you know they don't have that kind of influence yeah. without who, right. those two. And who wants – and again, who – you know those those individual institutions now are kind of caught in uh, no man's land, right? right. Uh, but but here's the thing with that alliance, you know that alliance or an alliance very similar to that was was announced uh, in the immediate aftermath of the last of the last uh, uh, um, movement within the conferences. You know the expansion when Nebraska joined the Big Ten and. A and M went to the SEC and Colorado went to the Pac-12. All that once that kind of all happened, then because of the long-standing relationship between the Big Ten and the Pac-12 and the Rose Bowl, we entered into an alliance and 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 it had all these arrangements that we were going to all play at least one, um, you know, um, premier uh, matchup between a, a Pac-12 school and a Big 12 school in football and stuff. So they they announced this, okay. 
and it was going to happen. And then like literally within a year, it was quietly dissolved. It didn't happen. Hmm. And, and the problem is, is that, you know, I just don't know whether TV partners are going to pony up real big dollars. Okay. Like they would when they're talking with one entity, which would be one conference, right? They're just, they're just not going to do it. And so um, the idea in concept is, well, we can, we can have an alliance that, that creates a, a, a significant number of very desirable um, games, uh, you know, Michigan, USC, uh, um, you know, Stanford against Ohio State, um, Washington against Nebraska, uh, you know, um, Penn State, blah, blah, blah. You, you get the point, right? All these big name matchups. So we could get into a, a, a thing like that where then if we're negotiating with a, a, a contract, a television contract entity, whether that's an Amazon Prime now or it's the traditional ones like ESPN or Fox or whatever, I mean, you can say, well, I, I can bring this product to the table and then distribute the money. And all that does is then, then now how do you distribute it between the Big Ten and the Pac-12? Because right now the Big Ten's way more lucrative than the Pac-12. So how does how does that all work, right? And how do they make that money? And how does that compare with the SEC's power to be able to say these are our conference teams? We now have 16 of them, and boom, it's very simple, right? Do the math, divide it by 16, done, right? Mm-hmm. So I I just think the alliance thing is it's a far weaker option, but it's much more desirable from the standpoint that it's a much less of a commitment. And uh, and and their hope is that it would it would allow them then to make sure that the SEC doesn't gobble up all the all the spots uh, that are uh, optionable, so to speak, uh, in any future playoff scenarios, because that's the other big kicker is the SEC is locking it down here as far as getting the big money from the uh, from the conferences that get to participate in the now four team college football playoff. Right. Well, uh Man, there's so many directions we could keep going. Because I was going to say earlier yeah. when you were mentioning, uh, you know, Oklahoma and Texas shifting to the SEC and how that might affect their performance. I think part of Oklahoma's calculation was like, well, we've been doing great, you know, getting into this fourteen playoff pretty much all the time in the Big Twelve. Right. Uh, but if they're going to expand it to twelve, which is what's been uh, talked about and proposed, um, right. then you know, even if we're second or third in the SEC, we could still get in. You know, so that advantage of, you know, being the best in the big 12, uh, isn't as important. Um, Right. And right. Except that, except that there's something from a recruit standpoint, uh, because what do recruits want? Uh, they, they want to play in the big venues. They want to be on TV and get visibility and all that. They also want to be champions. Right. And if you go into the sec and you're Oklahoma and all of a sudden, guess what? You're used to winning, about every other championship uh, in the Big 12, right? Like every other year, you're the you're the football champion in that league, and you're getting the automatic bid to one of the premier things and stuff like that. You go into the SEC, and 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 it doesn't. The margin for error is so thin there that they could easily find themselves losing three games, right? All of a sudden, they get a a conference schedule that includes, you know, Alabama, Georgia, and Florida all in the same year. And then they still have to play Texas because they're they're you know kind of partners in their their side of the league or whatever. And wham bam, all of a sudden you know you go one and three in those four games. You've got three losses, 
you're not the second best team in the SEC at that point. You're the you're tied for fifth. <laughs> You right. know what I mean, and and all of a sudden you're just another Osloran. You you know you're not quite as bad as Nebraska, but there ain't a lot of difference, <laughs> not in the perception side. You know what I mean? Now, granted, they still have the recruiting advantages. They still have access to the athletes. Blah blah blah. There's all, and they get and they're getting all the money, so their facilities and everything like that. So I know there's a lot of different uh, uh, you know a- aspects to that. But right. but bottom line is I I'm not sure that that leads to the promised land that they want. Right. Well, and and the other thing I was going to mention, because I know we've talked about this in the past on previous podcasts, like that when these big uh, TV contracts get renegotiated, um, that, you know, there's going to be kind of a come to Jesus moment because, you know, uh, so many people have been pulling the plug right on cable and all that stuff, you know, not as many people have cable TV, you know, and so is the value of some of that stuff going to go down? And uh, thusly, I guess, is this are are the conferences kind of foreseeing that and trying to kind of consolidate their power, you know, so like they have the biggest, you know, only like you say, like the top 64, like considered to be, you know, part of this like main division. And then everybody else is kind of lesser. who doesn't have that TV money power. It kind of gets left by the wayside. Um, But then but but then if you're asking me, that is the that is absolutely true. If if you're asking for. Pete's opinion, dad's opinion, then I'm telling you, I believe a wise commissioner and his presidents are anticipating that that's a very real possibility because this money cannot continue. And you're exactly right. With all the people that have cut the cords, the ESPNs of the world and the traditional broadcast partners do not have the money to give us even what we've already been getting. Okay. Because the math just doesn't work. Okay, they have to come up with these other platforms, right? These other ways to create revenue streams. Otherwise, it's never going to work. Right. Which is is why uh, I was going to bring up like ESPN Plus and you mentioned Amazon earlier and those sorts of things. Yep. I don't I'm I'm not aware of the numbers of that right now. Like how many people who have cut the cord, you know, have then subscribed to these other digital streaming services to kind of offset that revenue loss. Yep. You know. Yep, AT&T TV and, um, uh, and YouTube channel, right? Now you can get all your broadcasting through them. And so then they're entering into relationships with ESPN and all that. And at the end of the day, the whole we cut our cord and we're saving money is gone, right? <laughs> By the end of the day, people are still spending the same amount of money, uh, only now it's a la carte. Well, there's, there's a like, there, there is the path where they can reestablish the revenue stream, right? And make their money. ESPN is having to go through the transition because right now they're what they call carriage fee, right? Which is the fee they charge everybody who uses uh, cable. Like mm-hmm. if, if ESPN is on your, on your cable list, uh, your, your level of um, um, subscription, then you're, pari- you're paying that carriage fee, whether you're a sports fan or not, right? So... Let's say we're talking about uh, a place like uh, uh, New York City, right? Not a huge college city, not a college town, right? Uh, right. Well, there's 10 million people, okay? Um, let's say there's 5 million um, cable subscribers. Well, what percentage of those are really heavy, heavy ESPN users? Well, let's, let's say it's 50%. 
Well, that means there's two and a half million people paying that carriage fee every month that uh, don't really use it. But they're having to pay it anyway because it's on the base cable. Okay. Now, those are the people that have cut in the cord because why would I want to pay that? Because ESPN alone is like 10 bucks or 12 bucks a month just for the ESPN family of channel. Right. They have a huge carriage fee. Well, guess what? The, the cable networks of the world, they're not going to they're not going to agree to those numbers next time because it isn't the value's not there because they've lost all these subscribers. So that number's got to go down. Well, where's ESPN going to get the money that they lose from that? Where the, where's that going to come from? Mm-hmm. So it's got to come from ESPN Plus and other creative methods and relationships that they have. Well, they can do that by cornering the market. If they could secure by 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 doing what they've done with uh, uh, Disney Plus, um, di- uh, well, Disney Plus and and uh, no, um, but by by encouraging the SEC, you know, you, you you've probably read the the articles and stuff about the fact that, you know, right now the big 12 has sued ESPN saying that they were tampering. Right. Yeah. Uh, Because now, now that ESPN is done. Yeah. They want to, they want to see the big 12 dissolve because then they can walk away from those obligations and relationships. Right. That's a bunch of money. They owe those schools. They don't want to pay now because they've lost their, they've lost their big, big guns there in Oklahoma and Texas. Right. So, uh, ESPN's trying to get out of it, right? Uh, because it's a loser now. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So. Well, and tying into that, um, the reports I've seen say that um, that uh, Texas and Oklahoma, because they're they're scheduled to leave in 2025, um, but mm-hmm. of course, you know, the, the expectation for everybody is that they're going to try to leave before that, um, but they'll have to right. pay the Big Twelve in order to do that, um, right? And I believe. Um, the number was around 140 million between the two schools to pay the Big 12, uh, but a lot of people have brought up that there's about 160 million left on that Longhorn Network contract between Texas and ESPN, and so could right. they kind of, you know, cancel that contract, Trade. get that money mm-hmm. now, and you know, try to pay out that exit fee and be in the SEC potentially by next year. Right, exactly, and I think. I, well, and or if the Big 12 begins to de- destabilize to the point where it's no longer and other other schools end up opting and trying to find a, a, a landing spot, if you will. If, For example, if Kansas, who I know is having conversations with the Big 10 now, because they would be one of a small number of possible additions that the Big 10 might be willing to consider because they fit the, the profile of institutionally. Um, Kansas, what if Kansas bailed? Now you're now you're down to you know uh, even uh, fewer schools and one of those um, kind of on the margins uh, major like Kansas that has a a premier historic basketball program and has had periods in in its history where their football was pretty good too you know that's a that's a school you could take a risk on Baylor's recent re- success maybe makes them attractive if you're the Pac-12s let's say. Uh, uh, and uh, and you're looking to do an expansion. So there's there's all kinds of scenarios that open up there. And now the now the Big Twelve is completely gone, right? It's like right. Uh, now it's no longer a, a legitimate conference, and those contracts uh, can then be abandoned by ESPN. I mean, they have a legitimate 
uh, commercial justification to say, hey, these these are no longer right. void and are te- no longer valid. And Texas and Oklahoma. So that's probably what they're secretly yeah. hoping yeah. for. Yeah. So they want it to destabilize and fall apart. Right. And and now that's what the Big 12 is suing them over um, because they they're, they think they have documentation, you know, emails, et cetera, proving that ESPN was kind of encouraging this path. Yep. Um, so so th- but 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 here's the scenario. Uh, uh a scenario in which we uh, it, it either go after some of the ACC schools that are premier, like a Clemson, Florida State, uh, or uh, Miami, or I think even Syracuse. I think Syracuse might be an AAU school, but some of these schools that have both a good academic history and, you know, like a North Carolina uh, and some um, either great football or good football and great basketball type of things and entice those schools to join the big 10 in a, in a pursuit and a big bold move to go from our current 14 to like 20. And we add six schools, which would include like Clemson, Notre Dame, uh, the, the PAC 12 schools that I talked about, USC, Stanford, um, all that. So then we would put together a combination that would allow somebody like Notre Dame to say, yeah, I can now join that conference because now all my traditional rivals, my traditional games that, that we value as an institution, you know, are, uh, Notre Dame, uh, Stanford, Notre Dame, USC, um, you know, that sort of thing. All those are available to us. Okay. Now we can talk right now. This is legit. And, uh, and we end up uh, the big 10 ends up going to 20 teams or 22 or something like that. Right. And and the SEC would quickly follow and do the same, um, and 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 now all these remaining <laughs> institutions are kind of the lesser schools of those major conferences, and now they've got to scramble to formulate a third conference, and then you're pretty much done. Then this just scraps. Right. <laughs> yeah, I, I was thinking about I mean, it. It's crazy in, in terms of yeah, like the the big schools that are kind of left out there. It'd be like. Uh, Oregon, USC, yeah. Notre Dame, Wa- Clemson, Miami, uh, Florida State, Washington. Yep. You know. Yep. Um, exactly. Yeah, and because uh, they, they they have to have the combination of you know uh, premier athletics, particularly football, and they have to be academically attractive, right? right. That they're institutions that have uh, a, a sufficient um, credibility academically to be attractive to, uh, you know, a conference like the big 10 or the PAC 12 or whatever. But now you've destabilized the PAC 12, you know? So, so then you end up with the remnants of the PAC 12 and the big, big eight or big 12 coming together and making some third conference. That's a bunch of really good schools, but no major, major like frontline schools. Right. A lot lot of mid tier schools kind of. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And um, what was I going to say? Um, I can't help but feel like, you know, the uh, the ACC and the SEC uh, might have been smart in their naming strategy because, uh, you know, they can just still be the SEC, you know, and they don't have to deal with the, right. the silliness of like the, big, the Big Ten being the Big Ten, even if they've got 20 schools or something like that. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That, and that's why the Bigs logo is basically a big yeah, and 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 wouldn't it be appropriate that we would be big, like twenty <laughs> schools or twenty right. schools? I, and, and and again, this this all plays into 
what is the future of the NCAA, which you brought up yes. earlier, you know? Yeah. Well, and I was going to mention that I think the Big Ten is the next, it's kind of like their move because they're definitely the second most powerful conference in terms of money and influence right yep. now. Um, so, yeah, I'll be interested to see how that goes. But going into the NCAA yeah. side of things, um, they, uh, not too long after all this, uh, craziness with Oklahoma and Texas, they announced that there would be an NCAA constitution committee formed um, to basically come up with some proposals to change the constitution of the NCAA. So this is some, you know, we're, we're going back to the basics here and it's not something that's been um, uh, called for very often. Um, But that committee has already been formed. Apparently they're supposed to submit proposals in November um, to a, to like the board of the NCA that then the, those uh, proposals will then go to this convention of like all the conferences, all the big teams that's g- going to happen in January. Um, so right. basically there is some big change on the horizon. Um, and a lot of it depends on how does the, this conference realignment go? Do these plans of the 12 team uh, playoff that had been being discussed and proposed at the NCAA um, does that, you know, kind of go away now and they come up with some sort of new plan. If there's going to be like three or four super conferences instead of the five power five conferences, like we were expecting, you know, so there's a, there's definitely a lot of change on the horizon, I think. Well, and, and uh, to me, all that is, is precursor. Okay. Because it's all going to come down to money and lawyers are going to be the deal. Okay. Lots of lawsuits are going to get filed here. Because what 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 really, you know, you can have all those conversations about constitutional convention, you know, changes and stuff. But if you take if you present it to a vote, you know, constitutional change would require a vote of all the member institutions. Well, all the small schools are going to band together and vote no. Right. Because they're getting squeezed out. I mean, at the end of the day, the big boys are saying we want our money and we want it now and we want to protect our rights. Uh, because we're the real money makers here, we're the thing that brings the eyeballs. So, so give them to us, give us the money, or not. It, 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 what's going to happen to the NCA is exactly what happened, uh, what Texas did to the Big Twelve, right? What did Texas and Oklahoma do to the Big Twelve? They basically went to the other institutions that were part of the Big Twelve and said, "You guys are going to have to pony up a little more money to bring it our way. Let us have these third tier tier rights." To ourselves and stuff so we have a built-in competitive advantage to you financially uh so we can keep you down and we can be the big boys in perpetuity okay that's what that's what they set up that's the arrangement it was not equal okay and mm-hmm. and um of course the uh ultimately when it looked like the big 12 was going to dissolve what did those other institutions do they they capitulated right they said yes they allowed it right and that uneven distribution occurred or and has been occurring. So that's what's going to happen to the NCAA. I mean, the big boys are they're going to have all this discussion and there's going to be all this hand moving and gestures and all this nice talk. But at the end of the day, if the big boys don't get what they want, they're going to say, well, then we'll just take our ball and go home. We're going to create a new co- we're, we're going to create a new organization. We're going to do our own thing because one way or another, we're going to get paid what we're worth because we have to do that because now there's NIL and we got to figure out how we can pay all these athletes and, you know, we got to stay competitive and blah, blah, blah. 
You follow me? Oh, yeah. Well, and, and yeah. another aspect of this whole deal with the NCA is that um, there was a uh, Supreme Court case, which I believe we might have mentioned on a previous podcast, um, but the decision for that came down here in the summer. And what was interesting was that the uh, the stu- the athletes who had brought the, the case, um, I believe in the intervening uh from going from like the uh, the district court to the appeals court or to the Supreme Court or whatever, they had actually dropped their um, kind of accusation about like not paying players, you know, the NCA. So that wasn't on the table for discussion. It was specifically about um, the NCA limiting how many like educational benefits uh, schools could give students, like awarding scholarships or grants and things of that nature. Um, and the NCAA lost. Um, so, you know, those additional educational and grants, you know, are permitted to be uh, awarded to students. Yeah. Um, but it, it was yeah. also there was plenty of language in the opinion. And I remember I think it was Justice Brett Kavanaugh specifically uh, made several notes that they found the NCAA's general arguments about like paying students and, uh, you know, um, keeping it, uh, you know, that basically that they're amateur, right. That the keeping college football amateur um, was part of their brand, you know, and that's what people value about the NCAA. And the, the Supreme court made it clear that they don't, you know, they look a little askance at that argument. Um, So, you know, that there's going to be more lawsuits come the NCAA's way. So uh, between that and the name image and likeness stuff going through, and then now this conference realignment stuff, they are on as unsteady a footing as I've ever seen for the NCAA. I agree. I agree. And, and so, uh, and so I think the, the conferences are making all these moves, try to position themselves to when 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 all this shit hits the fan and and whether it's at a constitutional convention or it's just because of the independent moves that the conferences make that those conferences when the dust settles are the ones in control of their own destiny right that's what they want and so i'm leery of anything other than conference expansion because that's the known entity we expand we have control of these teams we now you know, are able to control that, that product and, and therefore the, the revenue opportunities that are available to us through that product. Uh, these, these discussions about alliances and, and some kind of an agreement uh, between conferences, to me, uh, do, do, uh, until I witness somebody like Fox or ESPN or some other major broadcasting entity embracing that and saying yes i'm going to pay the same amount of money for that for you saying that usc is going to play uh, michigan and uh you know washington's going to play ohio state you know annually or whatever um and we're going to get all this wonderful product in our mix um and i'm going to pay you the same as if you guys were all in one conference if if that's not happening that ain't going to work Mm-hmm. So, well, I, I I, I'm, I'm curious. Let's uh, let's put your betting hat on here. Um, between the NCA stays together in some form or another with you know these super conferences as its like main as its you know division one like main makeup, 
Um, that's right. option one or option two NCA falls apart and everybody kind of goes their separate ways in terms of like making their own TV contracts and, you know, come to some sort of agreement about a national championship game or whatever, which of the two do you think is more likely at this stage? Well, if, if I had to bet on it today, I would bet on the, your, the latter, your second option. I don't think the NCA is going to be able to hold that together because, you know, again, unless this uh, all these discussions involve the fact that, you know, these guys uh, who run the NCAA, you guys all no longer have a job. And the people that are going to replace you, they're going to get paid like a fourth or a tenth of what you get paid. Because Emirate, the guy who own, runs the NCAA right now, gets paid a stupid amount of money, okay? Like millions of dollars a year. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you can make the argument, well, that's a very big organization and it has a lot of people and they're doing a lot of things and they're putting on all these NCAA championships and blah, 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 blah. It's like, you know what? Tough, tough. You know, you, you, you can't pay somebody that much money and, and then have, a, you know, his executive team the number of people in that executive group that get paid more than a million dollars is crazy. And so all that money could be in the hands of these conferences. See, and that's the way they look at it, right. I think. So at the end of the day, I just I think they've built this monster they can't sustain, and it's going to come crashing down. And when it does, a new organization, not the NCAA, will be created to oversee you know, uh, Olympic sport athletics and things of that nature. But the big games, i.e. football and probably uh, collegiate basketball are going to have a separate entity that runs their groups, you know. And and, and so, you know, uh, conferences and individual institutions are going to end up signing up for these new entities that oversee those certain sports. And, and, and there'll be some competing interest, but eventually it'll all settle out and there'll be one or two groups that do that. Yeah. Yeah, but they'll just be defined differently. And the haves and the have-nots will be separate. Yeah. For me personally, I think it's kind of a, at least, and I'll admit I don't have the most information in the world, but I think it's kind of like a 50-50 toss-up. Like, will we have the NCAA, you know, three years from now? I don't know, honestly. It'll, it's you okay. like, well, like that's, you... that's weak, man. I, I'm not accepting that. you got to make your call. <laughs> so you asked me to make my call. <laughs> I mean, uh, if I if you're forcing me to make a call uh, in the long run, you know, I don't know how long it'll take, but in the long run, I would also lean towards the NCAA being gone. Um, you know, yeah. I don't know how long it will take, but it, it, it seems unsustainable. Um, the one thing I was thinking about, because you brought up earlier, you know, how the, uh, you know, if it came to like a vote at this NCAA convention, right, all the small schools would vote against some of these motions because it's not in their interest. Um, and then the, you know, big boys will say, well, we'll take our ball and go home then. Uh, but then where do the politicians get involved at those small well, exactly. schools? Yeah, no, you're, you're exactly right. And, and that's where I, that's what I meant when I said, then the lawsuits and you're right. The politicians will get involved at that point. Right. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be crazy. But last thing we'll talk about here uh, is that gold 12-team uh, playoff, because you'll recall that when we were, uh, when I was back in Traverse City in June, we actually talked about it a bit while we were kayaking together out on the lake. It was a very nice day. Um, it was. And obviously, as we've said, you know, some of this this 
plan, this committee that like came up with this proposal for a 12 team playoff was all before all this conference realignment talk started happening. So who knows how they'll throw a wrench into things. But the general understanding of it was that it would be uh, six conference champions would be automatically invited uh, based off of their uh, ranking um, in the uh, top 25 rank. And then there would be six at large bids, essentially. Um, and obviously this would serve the effect of, you know, opening it up significantly where it's been very difficult to get in, you know, and even amongst the power five, right. With only four teams able to be in the playoff, one is always left out feeling kind of sour about it afterwards. And this also gives, you know, at least with our old perspective of like, if we think of the five power conference champions getting in, and then that means there's basically always going to be one from the group of five, you know, who's able to get in as well, whoever's the highest ranked. Um, so, you know, from, from a lot of perspectives, that makes uh, a lot of sense. Uh, personally, I was kind of thinking more of an eight team expansion. I wasn't sure if 12 um, was maybe too big, you know, after being with four for so long. Because uh, I still like, you know, I'm still trying to preserve the sanctity of the regular season, you know, making like every win there still be important. Because with 12 teams, you'll definitely get a lot more two and three wit lost teams um, that may still make it into that uh, playoff. But um, what are kind of your thoughts on the, the general idea and then how that has changed since all this conference talk began? Right. Okay. So I would say that, uh, you know, in the early days before the college football playoff existed, I would have told you that I wanted nothing to do with that expansion. Now I'm very much in favor of it because I think the four team is a disaster from the standpoint of the long-term viability of a competitive landscape for college football. Um, uh, so I am all about uh, getting more teams involved uh, and especially one that guaranteed uh, that conference champions were all going to be a part of it, regardless of their record. Like it was an automatic, a little bit like winning a conference in basketball for the NCAA tournament is right. Uh, that that would, to me, would be a very important uh, characteristic. It would also be important to me um, that uh, no one conference, even if you can quote quote make the argument that that team deserved to be in there more than this other team that you would not allow one conference to end up, you know, basically consuming uh, uh, beyond a certain number of, uh, of the bids, right? The at-larges or whatever, so that you, you don't have that uh, kind of right. um, exclusivity where, where um, the uh, reputation of the conference and, and the teams themselves um, dictates or, or presupposes who's going to be chosen. You know what I'm so so right. was that specifically actually... to stop the SEC from basically taking the incredible leverage that they've now been able to establish with this 14 playoff and just extend it to 12 teams. Right. Now what you just said about there being like a, a limit on how many teams could come per conference was that part of this proposal or is that something you no. want added? No, you're just you're just saying yeah, uh, you were asking me what I thought I, I would say I was I would be in favor of the of the expansion and I would go beyond the eight I'd go to the 12 because the other thing that that does is that that creates more football games so that's more revenue for the this entity of a college football playoff and it um, 
it would allow more of the bowl games, particularly the higher, uh, more highly regarded bowl games, to be a part of this playoff structure. And that uh, increases the credibility and viability of the bowls and their existence. Uh, because, frankly, in, in the college football playoff era, the traditional bowls have been relegated to an afterthought and are irrelevant if they're not part of the conference or I mean the college football playoff. Mm -hmm. Um, They just, they do not carry even a fraction of the weight that they used to carry. And so the more of those games that that you can start making matter, the more that uh, it helps level the playing field. What right, right now, I don't believe the playing field is level at all. I think the teams that are successful now are going to be able to leverage that uh, reputation and uh, status to sustain themselves at the top. And so you need that top tier to include more teams so that there's more dynamic for movement right now it's way too concentrated at the top right it's a little bit like the uh the lawsuit that was again just refiled by the justice department against facebook i mean we we got we've got a monopoly going on here and we need to break it up Mm. yeah I should mention that one of the aspects of this 12 team proposal was that um, the top four seeds would get a buy in the first week. So you'd have eight, eight teams play the first week. And then the winners of those games would play the the top four seeded teams. Um, although interestingly, I think I read that like if, if Notre Dame as an independent was like ranked in the top four, they would still have to play in the first round. Um, Cause I guess they're, they're not a part of that uh, conference. Uh, you know, they're not a conference champion, right? It's like the four right. top conference champions was how it was specified. Specified. Yeah. See, and, and that's why, you know, th- that's one of the quirky things about going with 12 versus going with uh, uh, um, eight, you know, uh, eight or 16. Uh, so, uh, and the problem with 16 is now you're talking, you're, you're dealing with quarterfinals there. Right. So then you're, you're talking about somebody that's got to play a game. That, that takes you from that game one is from 16 to eight. Game two is eight to four. Game three is four to two and then game four. So, so those two teams that are playing for the championship are playing four playoff games in addition to whatever the regular season is. And if you, you know, have a 12 game regular season, now you're playing 16 games. That's a lot of football games for those athletes to be playing in a single year. Right. And uh, to your earlier point about the, you know, kind of the rich getting richer, as it were, you know, the 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 teams that are at the top staying at the top. um, I will agree that like expanding it to 12 would kind of give the the little guys, you know, the other teams like an opportunity to play those guys, you know, and kind of like prove it on the field. Right. You know, and you, you you know, we might see some like exciting upsets um, in those sorts of scenarios and that kind of stuff. Um, But with all of the changes we've been talking about with the SEC consolidating its power, um, the name, image, and likeness stuff, you know, and how uh, teams can use that to, you know, entice people to come to their schools and all that sort of thing. Uh, and, you know, basically everything in college football going more towards money, you know, money being the most important thing. Um, I, I can't see how the Alabamas of the world don't, just continue to consolidate their grip on college football, you know, and the Clemsons and the maybe Oklahoma might get disrupted, like we said, but here's where I would hope it would happen. It would, it would evolve into more of what it used to be um, uh, back in the day where, where if you were the orange bowl champion, 
okay, that was a big deal for you and on the recruiting trail, your ability to go, you know, say in, into the Florida, the state of Florida and other southern uh, hotbeds of recruiting and recruit players because they knew that you were part of the big eight that was associated with the Orange Bowl. And in uh, and, and comparison to that, uh, you know, the Big Ten schools, you know, and the, the re recruiting uh, hotbed of California because they were going to be playing in the Rose Bowl, right? Uh, and so being relevant in those individual major bowl games was super central to both your national image and also your ability to recruit, okay? And that you were viewed as one of the upper echelons. They referred to them as blue bloods. Now, who are the blue bloods of today's college football? You know, basically there's about six, you could maybe say seven teams in that upper echelon, right? And everyone else is kind of uh, at some tier below that. But there's only like five to six teams that, that you could say are that. And, there's, and within that, there's really only two or three that are really there, which would be Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, you know, um, and maybe in Oklahoma because they've played in it so many times. But Oklahoma's yet to win one, right? They're yet to win a game uh, uh, in that scenario. So even they... Uh, struggle a little bit to in that argument of uh, you know relevant uh, uh, success. So uh, if you all of a sudden expand that, I think all of a sudden you, you now have not just a group of twelve, but uh, in those games over the years, you're going to have twenty five teams that regularly make an appearance. And so now you've got that blue blood group again. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because that's important to creating credibility and enough diversity in that. Now, would Alabama still have a, a stranglehold on winning the championship as long as they continued to have the kind of great recruiting and consistently great coaching that they get? Yes, they're going to continue to be remarkably good year in and year out. But I think that there would be more teams that would be able to knock on the door. And if a couple of things happened, like NCAA investigations, uh, criminal activity, bad press, whatever you want to call it, changeover in coaches that happen at those institutions like a Clemson or an Alabama or an Ohio State might knock them off their perch just a little bit and allow others the opportunity to seize that that power gap. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that part is certainly true because we've seen that happen, you know, like, uh, you know, in the aughts, you know, it was like USC in Texas, right, where oh. so you know, played in so many national championships and seems so good. And then, you know, in this decade, uh, this past decade, the 2010s, they've been pretty bad. Um, so, you know, that that can yeah. happen. It does. And, and and historically, it has always happened. I mean, those who are, uh, go up, come down kind of thing. But but the problem is, is now that the disparity and the, the preeminence, because that group is so small, there's only four that uh, that uh, gives them such an enormous leverage and advantage in the perception side of things and the recruiting side of things that it's a it's just a perpetuation of it. And so we need to broaden that. And so now I'm a I'm a believer in that. Now, how you do that and not destroy these kids athletic futures by playing them in too many games, because, again, if you're a college football player, you know, many of them. Their aspiration is not to just be a great college football player. Their aspiration is to be a great college football player champion and then a big payday in the NFL, right? 
while they don't want to wear out their their bodies just playing college football games, right? So you, you can't you can't be playing sixteen games a year if you're an Alabama football player and you're always in the finals, you know, that's tough. Which is why more and more of those kids leave after two years mm. or three years. Right. They, they, as soon as they can, they're gone because they don't want to put the mileage on their bodies. Yep. Yeah. And then I suppose if we go with this idea that say there we're down to four conferences instead of the main five. Um, so now right. if we stick with the, the current rules, hey. then, then there'd be, Oh, so you're saying, um, instead well, of doing, well, I, I, yeah, I would say then, then, then eight sounds like a really good number. If we only had four major conferences, I would say eight sounds like a really good number. Then we get the four conference champions and you got four at large. That includes, you know, access for, you know, the, the non power four, you know, um, as well as the second best teams in the power four, um, as a possibility. And maybe even the third best team in a power four, if, uh, you know, one of the others, you know, there, there's some flexibility in that. Uh, that's what I would say. Mm-hmm. Right. Versus, but, I suppose, in the 12 team way, then you would either you'd have two uh, power, uh, you know, group of five champions in the mix or right. you just change it to like uh, so there's only f- five conference champions. So they still only have one. And then there's seven at larges, basically. Right. Right. Exactly. So, uh, I mean, there's no easy answer to this. This gets really complicated. And again, it, it all rolls back into, uh, are, are we really talking about, you know, uh, 125 teams that are on a comparable scale? Or do we need to divide this into, you know, two divisions, let's say, um, where the top 64 or 72 where 84 teams are considered division one and everybody after that, you know, you, you are at the next level. Right. Yeah. That we'll have to see. We'll have to see what, uh, what ends up being decided. It's, it's, I, I, I'm going to tell you, it's going to spiral into a lot of ugliness, a lot of lawsuits, a lot of politicians threatening shit, uh, that's going to not be healthy or good for college sports. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, uh, and I, I, I'm, I'm just hopeful that when all the dust settles, that the team that we follow and support, you know, is in the mix with with the big boys to continue uh, what we've enjoyed and, and love to watch, which is, you know, high level collegiate sports. Um, but we'll see. Yep. Uh, I'm not sure. Yep. The, the, the aspects of like, you know, tradition and it being uh, um amateur you know amateur sport and all that mm-hmm. sort of stuff you know all that stuff is kind of uh it's kind of fading away now you know not not totally obviously like obviously tradition is still important at all these schools but you know what have you done for me lately and money are definitely the two most important things um so it's kind of sad to see that but you know uh college football will survive definitely in some form or another and our hope is that uh nebraska's hanging in there with the big boys like you just said Right, right. Yeah, and it allows us to maybe, you know, take advantage of that. I mean, you know, the NIL, although it's not going to be a slam dunk, there is an opportunity for for Nebraska to to leverage the rabidness of their fan base uh, and the commitment that they have to their college, um, and really um, 
make us more attractive again in a way that maybe some of the people around us, the, our competitors, can't. Yep, that's very and, uh, that would be a good thing. Yep, that's very true. So if you all out there enjoyed listening to us, you can email us at huskerpete13 at gmail.com. You could also find us on Apple Podcasts if you search for College Football Throwdown. Um, we're also on iTunes, uh, Podomatic.com, all sorts of different places. You can leave us a review or leave us a comment. Let us know what you think of the podcast. We always love hearing feedback from the fans. So thank all you out there for listening to us. And thank you, Dad, for joining me for this special episode of College Football Throwdown. We'll be coming to you with another one talking about Nebraska and the upcoming Illinois game. So until then, go Big Red. Go Big Red. <laughs>